so Neil and I saw the uh, preview for the next Superman movie, Superman Brainiac. Uh, don't think that's what it was called. God damn it, I don't remember the name of the. It was so good we forgot the name. Yeah, it was. It was on the Nerdist. Superman uh, Unbound. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's it's all. You know what? Number one, I, I know this is a very shallow criticism, but the title is very. You know, you know, you know. Let's make Superman dark and edgy sounding with this name, Unbound, and yeah. And, you know, I mean, not to mention it's uh You know, it's a Jeff John story first of all, so there's some points there lost. Uh, it's 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 basically the post-crisis story where they try to explain the uh, Kandor thing. I, I'm going to say something that's very controversial. Uh, when the crisis happened, uh, DC DC laid out an issue to all editors and writers. Superman is the only survivor of Krypton. That was that was the uh, that was the edict. That was issued, and for years it was kept by, and lots of people complained about. No, we want a, we want a, a Supergirl that isn't this shapeshifter from another dimension named Matrix. We don't want uh, a Superboy that is a a a human that has been genetically engineered to to simulate all Superman's powers. No, we want more Kryptonians, damn it! And I think that. There's this thing called creativity through diversity, you know, through adversity, where by putting certain uh, bounds on on writing teams, you are able to create better work than, oh, yeah, let's just use all the Silver Age stuff that was the reason why we had to reboot the damn company. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, okay, okay, okay. Supergirl is now a Kryptonian again. Okay. I can kind of get it. Because lots of the things that you were trying to do to explain Supergirl and Power Girl, you know, like Earth, you know, Earthbound Angel, you know about that right now? Um, explain this to me. I... Oh, you don't know about this? Uh, well, I don't know, because sometimes you tell me about stuff and then I forget what it's called, but I may, I may actually remember it if you tell me what it is. Okay. Um, so Supergirl was an alien, well, not an alien, it was a shape-shifting uh, creature from a, a pocket dimension named Matrix mm-hmm. who had the power of telekinesis and shape-shifting. She can use that to, like, fly and stuff. So, she, uh... Yeah, I think I know this. So, what happened was, there was this girl that was dying named uh, Linda Danvers, I think is what her name is. So, Matrix merged with her and there, and her powers changed to where she had the fire wings, and she was the Earthbound Angel. I remember this, yeah. And uh, let's just say some weird things happened from there, because there was a story where she split from the angel and was looking for the angel again, and she was wearing the animated cartoon uh, costume with the, the the belly shirt and all that, and and that was when Supergirl had her powers pumped down to where it was action comics number one kind of powers you know jumping and stuff like that so in a nutshell with the supergirl and the power girl they were had to explain why there's a supergirl and a power girl in one universe now and there was some things done there that was a little iffy like she was actually an atlantean uh, uh that was enhanced by magic with powers and something happened a wizard did it, and I'm not kidding. A wizard actually did it. Damn it. 
See, whenever, whenever, whenever people like start telling me about these stories that they do to retcon stuff to explain stuff away, I always start having flashbacks to professional wrestling for some reason. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's almost the same. It's like. It's like we'll we'll make stuff up, we'll explain things away that are contradictions, we'll 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 blatantly ignore stuff that happened three weeks ago. And uh yeah. But like I said, lots of good came from the edict of Superman has to be the only survivor. Yeah. It's uh you know, lots of good things. Like I loved Con L, the, the post crisis superboy, as he was in, intended and created as a human with a genetic structure altered to be as Kryptonian as possible. And you're talking about the character that had, like, the sides of his head shaved. and he, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that character. I thought he was kind of cool. He was my favorite character. He was the character that got me interested in comic books. I, I it, It's it's uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but if, I, if one could say that they had an emotional connection to a character, I would say I had one, too. Connell, post-Crisis Superboy... <laughs> It, it it sounds weird, doesn't it? A little, but not much. I I, uh, I loved how he always had a humorous spirit about things. How he, uh, you know, he he would say, you know, if someone told him, "Oh, this is your dark history," he's like, "So what? That's not who I am now." You know, if someone says to him, "You know, you you your the DNA that was used to create you was from Paul Westfield, the uh, the evil director of Project Cadmus." He's like, I'm not. I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm Superboy, damn it. That's that's the interesting thing. And you know, he kept on meeting those things. I kept on saying he should be. He will become something dark and sinister. And he keeps on rebelling against it because he's choosing his own destiny. He's choosing to follow the the legacy of Superman, even if he wasn't born into it. And that's why I loved loved the story. And other good things came, like, uh, you know, some of the Earth-bound Angel Supergirl stuff was pretty good. Not all of it, but some of it was good. And, like I said, I liked the idea and the in- I liked the intent of of doing that, because it was DC Comics saying, okay, here's where we fucked up with in pre-crisis. Don't do that again. And Superman Unbound is part of this thing where Jeff Johns has this hard-on for Silver Age shit. And he's like, well, we need to bring this back. We need to bring this back. We need to bring this back. And it's like, no. They just cleaned up this mess. It's like having a roommate that you just finished cleaning the living room. And he brings back all these old boxes of... of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Weird Al vinyls. And you're like, I just took took that out i was just about to say he, he brought back the vinyl albums and it, you know not even not even took them out of the boxes just stacked up the, stacked up the boxes in the corner and continue to do so until they like overtook the room yeah exactly i i see i see it as that and uh you know superman unbound it, it's funny because a lot of uh a lot of this is you know we haven't even touched the character designs the old character designs um you know it was it was okay, except I really don't like this character design of Superman. Lois wasn't too good either. Yeah. With purple eyes. Oh, that was Lois. See, I didn't even know that was Lois. Yeah, it's another example of someone copying anime and not really understanding 
Well, I just have to say, why can't they have animators making character designs anymore here? It's it's like they're like, well, we need to like match the actual comic book artists that did this book. And, you know, not every comic book style translates to animation. God, no. And not to mention that this whole story is, you know, there's emo Supergirl like, you know, you know, my city is lost in a bottle. <laughs> that's what Tony. Tar- that's what Tony Stark said, too. <laughs> it, it, I, I just don't. It, it, I just don't like the tone. I don't. I didn't like the original comic story. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bitch about every minute detail, but I think I've made my case of, of you know, it seems to me that that DC animated right now is doing more adaptations of, of the top selling graphic novel collections of the recent years and maybe a couple of the classics. They're not really doing anything new and interpretive anymore. Like, you know, Justice League Doom was the last real interpretive piece they did in a, in a long time, I think. Yeah. What do you think, Neil? No, I, I agree. They're, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really like these 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 comic book adaptations where they just kind of like follow slavishly to the to the original. And it 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 feels like it's it, it feels like it's preaching to the converted a bit. It's trying to make a cartoon for people who read the comics and not trying to open something up for people who uh, maybe aren't as familiar. Exactly. It's, 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 it's playing against what made Batman the animated series work. Yeah. Where Bruce Timm took the best of every Batman to make the definitive Batman and say to, to everyone, this is the Batman you can all get. You don't even have to know who Batman is. You can all just, this is the Batman you need. Yeah, and some people who don't read the comics, you know, they may not know who, uh, they may not have known who uh, Harvey Dent was or who Poison Ivy was. And in that case, you were in for a treat. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not the, uh, it's not the Batman they deserve, but it is the Batman they need. Uh... <laughs> Had to do it, Neil. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. You know, I said that Blanchard was doing that that top 100 animated movies thing. Yeah. And he he had me send in a a list. And he has some sort of uh, aggregate system where he, like... Merges all the lists together and comes up with like one master list. So I'm like, hmm, what can I throw in my top ten that deserves to be there, but Blanchard won't understand? And then I thought, I thought, and I went, aha! Ren and Stimpy? No, no, it's top animated films, not TV shows. Otherwise, I would have done Ren and Stimpy. No, I put My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> because oh, he would because never watch that. He would never watch that. He'd be like, yeah, um, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, because he he and he and Optimus Solo like had a rule where it's got to be in English and it has to be released in in America, and I'm like, well, that's still most anime. 
Okay, so uh, do you remember Love Can't Make a List and and uh, Tokyo? They had an English release. Uh, do you remember Love had an English release? I'm pretty oh, sure it did. It did, but it's it's Clash of the Bionoids. Yeah, I don't think that would count. Oh, maybe it would, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to put Clash of the Bionoids on that list. <laughs> just it's, a it's, it's just it's such a terrible version. You can still fight when you're drunk. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it's a bad dub. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a dub I won't even recommend. It's like, ugh. <laughs> you you would watch you, the stuff. You've been drinking. <laughs> it's, it's. I was frozen today. Different show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's it's not quite as bad as the Headmasters dub. <laughs> You know, I, I, you know how, how I'm going to open up the, the next pre-show? Oh. A discussion about how Spaceballs did right what the prequels did wrong. Yeah. Yes. You know, I was thinking about that one scene you're talking about where Vader's like, tell my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. He, he, no, he says it. Tell my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. He does it like that. Oh, well. You have to hear it because it's... It, Caught me off guard. It's very sing-songy. Tell my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival. It's sing-songy. He's bursting into song. You know, listen, I'll find it on YouTube. Okay. You, you don't believe me that sing-songy? I I don't remember it like that. But I was just thinking, you know, because that I was thinking, you know, I I remember that scene not or not being like that in the original, but it didn't really bother me that they changed changed it but i but at the same time I, I understand the principle behind it that it didn't need to be changed well the and thing it's... i the thing i say is it it kills the the pacing and tension of the of the surrounding scenes maybe I, I i don't think anyone would really notice it's it's more the principle that bothers me it's just that he couldn't stand that he didn't have a connection point from when vader disappears from cloud city and then reappears on his starter story sorry he had to explain it Okay, let, let me listen to it again, make sure. Okay. I guess, a little. I heard it. Okay, well, maybe they refixed it in the super-duper special edition, because in the theatrical special edition in the late 90s, it was sing-songy. Okay, it's not on the DVDs, I know that. Because I have those, and it, it was pretty much identical to how I remember it. But yeah, prepare my yeah, yeah. Tell my star destroyer to. It's very sing-songy now. <laughs> you know, he's like, I got, I gotta have the this connection point here because we don't know how how Darth Vader got got under the star destroyer. I have a turkey neck, you see. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me put it this way: um, isn't Dark Helmet more menacing than Anakin? Uh, yeah. And Dark Helmet's a little Dark Helmet's a little Jewish guy. I know, but you know what? The sad thing, his ultimate uh, attack won't work on Anakin because he's got no balls. Oh, <laughs> right. Correct. And also, the practical effects in Spaceballs look incredible. <laughs> Versus the tennis ball acting theory. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, you can tell those people are lost in the scenes. It's like, where is everything? There's there's a blue tarp behind me. I don't understand. 
Well, like the scene, like the scene where where the <laughs> spaceball one goes ludicrous speed. Yeah. And uh, they tr- hit the emergency stop, and Dark Helmet flies across the room. That's not CG. That that's that's a, a stunt person in in that helmet, you know, being thrown across the room. Yeah, and I, I, I've never <laughs> been quite sure how they did that. <laughs> oh, it's it's a zip line. Okay, well, it, <laughs> I couldn't see it. I'm like, well, they erase that in post. That's actually easy to erase in post, even before digital. Yes, because they take two shots of the exact same room. The camera wasn't moving, remember? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I, yeah, I guess I can see that. <laughs> that's actually that's actually easy because if they have the camera fixed, they just take a shot of the room as it is, and they take a shot of the room with the with the zip line throwing the the stunt man across the room, and boom. That is a pretty good effect. All they did besides that was just speed it up a little. I know, but what I loved was when they did a fast forward. Yeah, that made it funnier. <laughs> With skip the screen, the, skip this part. In fact, never show this again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved this how he was drinking his coffee through the filter. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> you put it best that uh, that. Uh, that Mel Brooks was able to get a good performance out of Bill Pullman, and uh, and uh, and George Lucas was able to get a bad performance out of Ian McGregor. God, how do you do that? He got a bad performance out of Liam Neeson, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, because like no one knew where they were in the scene. It was like, where are we? We're in the middle of a fucking desert. We're in a big green room. Well, Phantom Premise was actually still shot mostly on sets. That's true. Yeah, they actually had to go somewhere. It's like, we got to go to Tunisia. Oh, I guess we can't green screen Tunisia. They We were able to green screen the desert in the second film, though. Oh. Remember? Yeah. You know what the thing that, that Lucas was most proud of, of uh, Attack of the Clowns? Yeah, what? There was not a single uh, clone trooper armor built in that Yeah. Flight. Not a single one, and I guess I guess they looked okay, but it that that's the, that's just visual masturbation. It is. It's like I wonder if he what the cost would be versus just making the suits of having to animate each and every single one of those guys. See, I always I always like Christopher Nolan's uh, thought of every visual effect scene needs at least one real element in there. Mm-hmm. Or else your brain will know it's fake all the way. Mm-hmm. And that's why in the Dark Knight trilogy, every effect shot you see is actually like one part of it that you wouldn't think was done real was done real. Like the, the, the semi flipping mm-hmm. was, a, was a, a semi flipping. There was no digital on that shot. Yeah, and that's a cool shot. <laughs> You're like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, is those were real businesses on the sides of the roads. There and and the guy the coordinator didn't know if if they had all the waking done right and they they were like oh my goodness if this goes like three degrees wrong in any direction we're gonna owe some people some money action <laughs> <laughs> because they they've never tested that shot before that was one take wow. 
And you know all the shots of the flying bat plane in The Dark Knight Rises, which you've not seen yet? Yeah. Other than the shots of it clearly flying, you know, really high, you know, all the stuff of it flying near surface level? Yeah. They built a full model and have it, like, hooked up onto, like, a on a uh, on like a vehicle with a crane. So when you see it like maneuvering in the streets, it that, that it's really there. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> because no one's like, no, if we use digital all the time, people are going to know. <laughs> you know what what one movie had as a as an actual practical shot that I thought was a was a visual effect for the longest time? What? Have you ever seen Hellboy? I think I have. You know that monster that Hellboy fights in the in the, in the sewers with the tentacly hair that keeps on like moving randomly? Yeah. You know it looks kind of CG. Yeah. That's none of that CG. Oh wow. <laughs> they built these little motors in the in those tentacles. <laughs> I I know I know I found out I'm like what really? That was real. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. That, so. Basically, they had to uh, re-record the audio for that whole thing because all, otherwise, all you'd hear is all the all yeah. the tentacles, motors, yeah, all the ratcheting sounds. Yeah. Oh, I made a rant earlier today about uh, about Boba Fett about how they took the most enigmatic character of the series, and I'm, I'm not even making a joke about him being clumsy. I'm like talking about the the actual cool Boba Fett that everyone thought he was. How he was this enigmatic character, and he he didn't say a lot of words, and and he just did his job, and you never saw his face, and he was just this character who who, you know you know the the man with no with no name. He's kind of like that character. He's he's like he's this mystery, and you just don't know where he came from, what his past was, and how cool that was in the '80s. And now all of a sudden we have this new school of thought that's like you can't have a character like that. You need to have a story arc. You need to explain his motivation, tell his history, and someone must have gotten in George Lucas's ear and explained this to him and said, "You you got Boba Fett all wrong." And that's how they came up with the episode two Boba Fett, where it's like he he's a clone, and he was a kid, and he was orphaned, and and it completely destroyed the character. And and I got a whole bunch of comments on it, and like uh, and uh, Mike Dodd of all people goes, "Well." In the expanded universe, and that's when you get up and slap him. Yeah, exactly. I I posted that video. I was like, here, one minute forty four seconds. <laughs> that is the right answer, am I right? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> fuck the extended universe. What did he say to that? He didn't say anything. I just, oh god, it's like I couldn't believe he even mentioned it. I'm like, don't you even dare. He did not like that, did he? Probably not, but he didn't respond. It's, uh, but that's how everyone thinks is that, you know, I make I make a critique of how someone writes. It's like, and people think it's a it's a Star Wars apologist argument. They they start going into the extend the extended universe and they're like, well that could be explained in issue four of such and such comic or or in such and such book. And I'm like, look, I'm not having this argument. <laughs> I'm, I'm simply making a point about how someone, i.e. George Lucas writes a story <laughs> see issue five it's like of, you, of the third run page and, 13 and even so that's that's terrible storytelling you don't you shouldn't need to cross-reference everything to to account for things you don't understand in the movie 
That's stupid. Like every single time, it's. Uh, I I try to make a point about character writing, and people just they they have to defend the the homestead. They 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 won't let Star they won't let Star Wars be used as an example. They they go well, it's such and such issue. I hate those kinds of apologists. <sighs> but I do like the clumsy Boba Fett. I do too. That's my canon. <laughs> Boba Fett, where? See, I could actually buy the romance in in uh, Star Wars in Spaceballs more than the one in the prequels. Is that weird? Uh, not entirely. Even though there's that really bad scene with the campfire in Spaceballs, where both both uh, Daphne Zuniga and uh, Bill Pullman are kind of hamming it up. I know, but you know the the whole the whole uh, gold necklace thing as a way to pick up chicks is more believable than you're everything that's soft and smooth. You're everything that's soft and smooth. I slaughter them like animals. What's really funny about that whole Jabba Palace scene is is you have this guy in bandages hitting like drums. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like a minute work song because it almost sounds like dun 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 dun. I'm like, it, it makes you go like, this is not Star Wars. It wasn't. It was like, who who put in Howard the Duck? The original song. Yeah, the original song is a lot better. But the like I song, said, this this scene it seems like it's only like 30 seconds long, in my opinion. Yeah. It wasn't. Oh look, there's Max Rebo. You remember, you knew his name before I did. Yeah. See, but this song is so unintrusive that I didn't even remember it. It's like it, it took me years to get my hands on an original copy of the movie and be like, oh, oh yeah, that's what it was. Well, the thing, like I said, I, it it it's not something you have, you should remember. Yeah, because it's so incidental. It's just you, 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 one should not have to argue why you have to keep lap T neck. Yeah. In the song, in in the movie. Yeah. Because it it's it's so incidental and not important to the story. Yeah. Why are you arguing about it? What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. If you have to argue the 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 uh, the, qua- the 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 the, uh, the artistic integrity of Lapty Neck versus Jedi Rocks. It's like Jedi Rocks is just an argument unto itself. It just should not be in the movie. Oh God. Yeah, you see the guy with the drums? <laughs> yeah, I remember that guy. You know there's books about him. I'm sure there are. <laughs> I Star can't Wars. shock you. I can't shock you anymore. Well, because I know the insanity of the Star Wars expanded universe. Every character has a story. What I love is the special edition talked about that hairy guy's uh, about the hairy guy's drool, making sure they animated it right. It's like you could take a suction cup dart and throw it at the screen and pause it where where the suction cup where when the suction cup dart hits the screen and whatever character it's on there's a story written about that guy guaranteed what i love is they actually make the character go uh-oh yeah uh-oh so which song is better see lots of things are done shot like in the older style of movies like uh, yeah. when lando lowered his mask so the audience could see it was lando yeah there's no reason in the story that he would have to do that other than, yeah. you know, for the movie-going audience. Yeah. And that's how the movie was shot. It was shot, you know, to be a, an adventure movie for, for 
for for people. It's not shot to be this intricate blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's like, oh god, that that Optic guy yesterday argue trying to argue that that the that the re-recorded voice of Boba Fett was badass, and I'm like, who? Dude, you remember the guy in the chat room? Were you yeah. there when he was doing that? Yeah. Yeah, he was I like, ignored that. Yeah, I was like, I think I think I I kind of shouted him down at that point because I was just so infuriated at that point. I'm like, what the fuck? What is wrong with you? <laughs> but I, uh, it's because, like I said, the original Boba Fett, you know, he was like he was like a scumbag. You didn't really see. You didn't really see under his mask. He was this mysterious character. You just knew that he was a bounty hunter, and he kind of snarled when he talked. And then they re-record this new voice with Tamara Morrison, who doesn't sound badass at all. So, what do you think about the fact that Hazeman said said uh, if you want the better fan works, you spend some time with constructive criticism? Um, what? When did he? What? You have to scroll down a bit. Oh, Sonic stuff. No, I don't either, but the Sonic fan movie took a lot of work. It's fun, them people stop making them. You should spend some time with constructive criticism. I don't find any. Uh, I don't know. See, what what's there to constructively criticize? It's it was there was no imagination put into the film in the first place. I I would give constructive criticism if I thought. If I thought it was a noble effort, but this is just kind of... Or if I, if I thought that the person was receptive of it. I think yeah. right off the bat we all know that they're not receptive of it because they're already getting too many people lining the block to suck their cocks. Well, not a, it's not that. It's just... This, this, there's no heart in this. It's just... It's kind of a... It's kind of like a tech demo, basically. It's just... It's yeah, reboot. Yeah, we could, we could animate this, but it's... You're so busy asking if you could, you never thought if you should. Something like that. It's... <laughs> but my second reply to that was better. Well, I didn't. I don't think I said mock them. I just I, I get to say what I think about it. Okay. Yeah. Well. But we did actually say those criticisms there about you know the quills yeah. are there, the army, the goddamn army guys, yeah, the CGI being flat. We did say that all those. I don't. I don't. See, I just don't know what there is to what there is to criticize because it's there wasn't a story; it was just kind of this attempt to assemble, you know, the concepts from the game into like a, a chronology. But that's not a story. It it didn't really have a a beginning, middle, or end. It, it was just kind of like, okay, here's the situation, and some stuff happened, and then Knuckle shows up at the end, and uh, there you go, there's your movie. It's You're like, right. It's like a series of events and. All sound and fury it's, signifying nothing. It's kind of like how, it's kind of like how a kid tells a story where kids don't really understand story structure. Like that Dexter's Lab episode. Yeah. Although I thought that was kind of a cute episode. No, that was ende- that was endearing because it was because the animators drew in his style. Yeah, and the the kid actually was very good at doing the Dexter voice. It was it was it was endearing because of that. Yeah, because I, I saw that I was like, oh, it's cute. <laughs> What's like, wrong? <laughs> kid was like, "You are stupid. You are stupid." <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where they probably got the tape from that kid, and they were like, "Hey, hey, come here, Gandhi. You got to listen to this." <laughs> I can't believe how much better uh, Star Trek continues is versus New Voyages. Mm. 
Because what happens again, Neil? And then... Oh, and then... Well, that that's the same kind of kid writing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, and then this happened, and then this happened. And that's then Admiral Kirk shows up. Yeah. It's, again, it's the story by way of series of events, and no no cohesion whatsoever. No, there's no... There's no uh, uh, plot set up. There's no. There's no. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, there's no conflict. It's. Just, I think. I think you put it best. In it's uh, written with an agenda. Yeah, it's written with an agenda. You know, there there were some loose ends in the series that needed to be worked out, and we we thought we'd iron them out and sort of tell a story. I mean, really, what was the plot of that episode? Um, time travel and Admiral Kirk shows up. <laughs> the plot was somebody needed to explain how uh, Captain Pike uh, ended up in the wheelchair. Yeah, that that was the plot. By involving three time story traveling stories at once, yeah. and then Admiral Kirk shows up. I, I'm sorry that that's still that that was still the big what the fuck moment for me when I was watching that because because I was like I was like giving it a chance and then I heard the 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 movie soundtrack starting to play and then the time hole opened up I'm like oh no they did uh, oh they did oh that uh, yeah yeah there goes the blood vessels it's time for intermission boys and girls do you like retro shows. Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. In a world without hope, in a time of their greatest need, three men came together to deliver responsible news about video games. Geekcast Radio and The Lunchroom proudly present XRG Extreme Retro Gaming only on GeekCastRadio.com By the power of Grayskull I command the Jawbridge Open! Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. And now, back to the show. A wild Pablo appears. Oh, here's a, a here's something that uh, Pablo, you have to watch G-Gundam so we can discuss it. Uh, I really want to see it, uh, but uh, it's uh, hard to get serious. Down uh, here. But uh, I if, had to, if I you just... find somewhere I can just stream it or something, I don't I'll, know. I'll find you an because answer. But I mean, it it's sort of every time I see it, it's like this is so wrong, but I'm so sure that I'm going to love it. I mean, someone just decided that for the 40th anniversary they were gonna get you know. Not the 40th anniversary, 20th anniversary. They were gonna get, you know, this incredible epic war drama and turn it into Saint Seiya. Oh, uh, but uh, uh, but uh, G Gundam, it's. Uh, I'm sorry, Pablo. I checked. There is no Neo Uruguay. Oh, we probably be, got hit by because, field, Be, be glad because a lot of the Neo countries have some pretty stupid Gundams. Oh, Neil, 
Pablo, take a look at this. And um, yes, this is in G Gundam. And yes, this this really happened. This 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 really happened. This happened. It's a Gundam that's a horse driven by a horse. What? Why? <laughs> Japan, I don't understand you. Oh. This this brings memories of Texas Mac to me. I got something even worse than that. In the name of Gundam, I will punish you. Oh no. Oh no. You see it? What? <laughs> Well, I'm speechless. Pablo? No, is this for real? This is for real. Did, you could see this in the series? Yes. There's a Mexico, got... there's Neo, there's Neo Mexico has a Gundam too that's called Yeah, I know, uh, it has a sombrero. It's called Tequila Gundam. Tequila Gundam. And I'm surprised it didn't but... fall apart as soon as it rose out of the water. Oh wait, I shouldn't say that. That's terrible. But I was surprised it didn't fall apart when it fell the, when it came out of the water, but the... Uh, the uh, the uh, Neo Canada Gundam is a lumberjack, and that's all right. Uh, so, what do you think of that, Neil? Wow. In yeah, the, the, yeah the, the, the Sailor Gundam is actually from Sweden. It's called Nobel Gundam. Neil, Nobel Gundam. Yeah. It gives prizes to people who don't deserve it. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> uh, Here's my my part of my my small little, you know. I I told you about Texas Mac, right? Yes. Uh, but have you seen him? I mean, it's just so amazing the fact that most of the time the Japanese think about making you know something that's American thematic. They go, oh, cowboys right away. That's and what I was well, saying. This this, this, <laughs> this this is a a a fusion robot. That it's piloted by two brothers, and one pilots, you know, the main core of the robot that's, you know, the cowboy, and the girl pilots the hat. <laughs> I mean, it, the 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 whole fusion they do is just the hat gets on top of the head of the cowboy, and that's all they do. But I, it's amazing the fact that this robot has, besides of you know this leather vest and stuff like that. He also has a robot horse called Posture King, and it makes references to Django. You know, he he has this sarcophagus, this coffin that has this giant gun, and it's buried uh, in the American embassy because it's illegal to have it on Japanese ground. <laughs> there, there. Let's see here. No, that's that's Super Robot Wars. Don't watch that one. Let's see here. Where's the one we're put? Here it is. Ah. Uh-huh. Damn it. Here it is. But yeah, it's, you should watch G Gundam just so we can... Uh, because this is by far the most racist Gundam I've seen. And I've seen just G Gundam. Oh my god, no. What? Just Japan. Japan, stop it. Really, please. There better be no lolly in this. <laughs> god. What? Why does that exist? <laughs> <laughs> because G Gundam exists. In G Gundam, there's one Gundam that's a windmill. I, I don't even understand this. I mean, I 
when I was a kid and I, I noticed that there was a love triangle between RC, Hot Rod, and Springer, I was like, but they're all robots. This, they're not even sentient beings. They're, they're mechs. Oh, I think it's because they're piloted and the pilots just are using the robots in order to, you know, express their feelings or something. I, I, that, that's, uh, Still, that's kind of, it's like, girl snuggles up to a guy like that. It's because, you know, he's squishy and warm, but why would you do that with the robot? <laughs> Uh, you don't understand Gundamium. It could be squishy. There you go. The windmill Gundam. Tell me it's from Spain. It no, it's fun. it's from uh, it's from it's from uh, the Netherlands. Of course it is. Then uh, tell me this guy he's facing, the one on the horse. He's from Spain, right? Uh, what, what I love is they actually cut the windmills don't work that way in this clip from Futurama to the guy who did that. <laughs> you remember that deal? Yes. Well. Yeah. It's hurting. Yeah, G Gundam is a weird series. Let me tell you the the end of G Gundam because it's it's hard to believe. Basically, there's this thing called the Dark Gundam, mm -hmm. and in the mad scientist building it, decided the best way to complete it is it needs the love interest Rain. He puts her inside of it because. The one thing the Dark Gundam is missing is the power to create. And he puts Rain in it because she's a woman. She has ovaries. You can actually see the suspension dots over my head right now. And the, yeah. way, that the, the, the way that the main character Domo you know, frees her is he tells her, I love you! So she breaks out of it, flies in a sparkly pattern towards him, and they both do this... Uh, this uh, this Jinyu Four style uh, posing thing that kills the Dark Gundam. Burning bacon. It's... Uh, they were probably burning with you know burning justice. Yeah. Uh, burning cosmos. Uh, <laughs> it's so uh... oh god. You know I played that clip over and over. It sounds like they're saying burning bacon. <laughs> you sound like to the clip, Neil. Send it to me. <laughs> I don't have the clip. Okay. I I know that they're not saying that. I'm just saying it. <laughs> the, <laughs> just yeah, the way the it's burning reporting. finger is the name of the burning deck. finger. Well, I think uh, we can, you know, uh, what's the word for it? Ah, uh, this series. <laughs> yeah, here's the part. He, he, basically, this is this is like the end of uh, the Thor movie. Where Thor got his powers back because he learned how to cry. Well, uh, because because see see she's stuck in there using the power of ovaries to power the Dark Gundam until he says I love you. See the the, the whole ovaries thing that that doesn't even make biological sense because <laughs> it, it it takes both genders to create. It's not. And well, then she I, flies naked out of the machine with a sparkly with a sparkly. Uh, well, you know what's the weird the, thing? Watch this! Watch this, Paul. You have to watch this. This is worse than the ending casino gears. Oh, and here's the part where the goddamn uh, playing card guy shows up. I, I can't believe that they actually animate it this way. This is like the most bizarre Japanese thing they've ever done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can see the hearts. King of hearts. Oh, oh, I believe that is the king of hearts. <laughs> and he, and he is on a horse. Oh. Uh... 
The horse driven by a horse. How can I? Damn it. Open up. Open up. Open. Damn it. Open. Open. Damn it. Open. The Skype's interface is so weird. Yes. I just, I just, that's, I I don't know, I don't know how to describe that. That's just, you know, have you ever seen anything like that before, Neil? Never. Well, a guy who, a guy who's able to, to free his love interest from the, from the machine by saying, I love you. You know, I'm sure I've seen something like that. (laughs) Yeah, but it's usually something, something growing like Sailor Moon. This is, this is Gundam, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, this is Gundam with a giant Sailor Moon Gundam, so it makes sense, right? Yeah, I think. I, know, but... I mean, the moment the moment Gundams are wearing Sailor outfits, you can complain. I mean, seriously, it's like logic. It's out. Uh, Reason, it's out. You can't out. argue. We have a Gundam that's based on Sailor Moon in this show. Are you seriously gonna worry about someone yelling "I love you" at a woman inside a robot that was put in there? For sheer reproduction reasons. See, I think that they were trying to reach out to female viewers because, you know, if you think about one of the later series, Gundam W, I mean, that was just pure yaoi bait. I I know, but the the, the, the Ginyu Force posing is this is this is pretty bad. I mean, I, I I get they're trying to be dramatic as hell, but like like I said, this makes less sense to the ending of Xeno Gears. Oh, oh don't bring God. that up. I have friends that want to kill people over that. I mean, it's it's. This, this makes less sense than the second disc of Xeno Gears. Uh, Where the first disc is, let's make a great game. Second disc is, let's finish everything in monologues. Eighty-five <laughs> percent of the second disc of Xeno Gears is monologues. When in doubt, monologues. See, I know people who are like, I'm going to play every PlayStation RPG ever because this is the ultimate RPG system. And then that's always the game that breaks them. <laughs> like, I, what's going on? It makes you want to go to Sakura Wars. Yeah, and I'm over on the Sega Saturn boy saying like, boy, I sure do I sure do love this Dragon Force game. Wow. But yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I, I still don't know how to describe that scene. It, it's... It, because I tried to. It's it's a guy saying to a girl, "I love you." She frees herself from uh, from the bowels of, of the beast, where her ovaries were being used to power its reproductive powers. And uh, I mean, is there a way to describe this that 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 doesn't sound weird? No. Well, I, there's something that I've learned from watching many Japanese series. It's that they have some sort of poetic logic to it. That's how stuff works. I mean, after all the latest Kamen Rider shows, when they have to explain stuff, they just make up this meta, you know, this poetic justice explanation. Oh, how's the, how's the send going, by the way? It's it's going. Uh, oh, it's going, okay. Yeah, it's, let, me, let me stop it, my recording oh, wait, so I can send you. Yeah, it's kind of crawling, but that's Skype, you know. All right, let me send you mine as well, Neil. Okay. You know who we need to explain this? We need the doctor. The doctor? the doctor would say some. Yeah, Doctor Who. Uh, when it comes to to explaining stuff, he's great. He just makes this weird metaphor about stuff that has nothing to do with it. And then the end is, it's nothing like that. For example, how would you explain 
you know, this guy shouting at this woman that was put inside a robot for to power its reproductionary powers. And it's like, well, it's like when you put, you know, bananas into a blender and then you take out the plug of the fridge and then you shove it right in and you put it on the freeze and then you shake the, the fridge for a while. Only it's well, nothing like that. What I love is there was an episode of Futurama with the Star Trek cast where they did that, where, where, where basically they're trying to explain, oh, we're going to do this, and it's going to be like filling a balloon with too much air, and it backfired on them, and Fry says, it's like a balloon, and something bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, what, what is the logic here, the, the, the reproduction Gundam? I mean, how do you battle this? You do it with a coat hanger attack? <laughs> oh my god. god! That was dark. We we need we need that alarm you put under my without papers joke now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you kept that in, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it means. And he, like, oh, Pablo Fess heard the whole episode, and the only thing he said to me, he didn't say anything about his promo. Oh. What, what did he say? He, he was talking to me just about, well, technically, Luigi started and Mario is missing. Yeah. I, I said that. But, but you, is missing. I even, you know, even, even you know how I, people always talk about Captain Obvious? He's like Major of Libyus. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's really funny is is I was IMing talking with him. And the thing is, you know, we were talking about Goldfinger. Yeah. He, he, he said, he said, I was watching Moonraker with a friend, and I said the doctor's name was Dr. Super Vagina, and we all laughed. I'm like, that's not even a joke. Super Vagina? That's his that's... joke. That was his joke about James Bond girls. Yeah. So no super, you know, silver vagina? Super vagina. Why, why super? Why not silver? I mean, I, I would understand it as a related joke, saying silver vagina, but... When you go supper, you're you're in entirely different territory. That's not James that's Bond not at all. Bond. I was I was like, that's not really a joke fest. It's, that's, it's not a pun. That's the thing. It, it 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 the thing is, once Ian Fleming wrote Goldfinger and had a woman in their name Pussy Galore, I think he just sort of like wiped everyone else out that would even attempt to follow him. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why they're all you know getting the names from stuff that. Uh, you know that Fleming had, for like for example, Golden Eye. That's the name of a house he had, or something. It, an island in in the Jamaica. It, it's where his house was. Exactly. It's not like it's like okay, we we all have to agree that Fleming was the naming guy. Yes. So let's just you know what was the name of his dog? His his dog was Mr. Snugglepuss. Okay, that's when James Bond meets Mrs. Snugglepuss. I don't know they. They entirely gave up with that. And what you got is what we need, and all we do are dirty deeds with the space balls. Watch out! <laughs> I swear I saw that movie a hundred times before I saw Star Wars. Uh, I didn't see it before Star Wars, but I did see it a hundred times. And it never gets old. It's it never. Great. I'm surprised that some of the jokes got past the television censors in the TV version. Like, there's a scene where, you know, the, the mad... The, Plastic surgeon has his sexy nurse assistant. I bet mm-hmm. she gives great helmet. Yeah, yeah. Rick Moranis says, I bet she gives great helmet. And that stayed <laughs> in the TV version. Well, I, I explained uh, this once before. It's like, 
sometimes when the when the dirty joke is in your head and not in the movie, that's that's how it gets by. I'm still amazed you guys had, you know, yippee Mr. Falcon. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. I saw, you know, t-shirts with that. yippee Mr. Falcon. <laughs> that's great. I mean, pure gold. I love your society yeah. in many ways. <laughs> like I said, I, the funniest thing to me about Spaceballs is, is uh, Mel Brooks actually shot two versions, one for the TV cut. Because the TV cut's hilarious because the whole asshole thing is actually in the TV cut is moron. And uh, there's two versions of the barf scene where barf provokes the guards in, in, in Spaceball City to enter the Winnebago. Yeah. One where he does the under the chin thing. That's in the TV version. In the, in the movie version, he does the finger and kiss, kiss, you know. <laughs> yeah, and like I said before, I think it's because they saw the TV cut of of uh, Blazing, Blazing Saddles, Saddles, and that was one that Mel Brooks didn't have control over. They just took whatever deleted scenes he had, and they did some bad dubbing to take out some of the some of the racier things. And he was like, "You know what? Fuck this! If they're gonna make a TV cut, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the TV safe versions." So yeah, that's why Spaceballs works much better on TV than Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I I saw it the first fifty times off of a VHS copy we did on it running on TV, and after we wore that down to the nub, I we finally bought the VHS, and that's when I that's when I first heard Major Asshole. I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> what the hell am I looking at? What I love is how Spaceballs is actually a superior movie to the Star Wars prequels. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Because of all the practical effects. Which were done, ironically, at Lucasfilm. <laughs> because when I was when I was when I was pulling the, the audio for the song, I didn't have the YouTube link anymore, so I'm like, Well I have the D V D, I'll just pull it from the credit scenes. And during that part of the during that part of the song, uh, the credits are rolling and what appears on the screen? Uh, after effects done by Lucasfilm. Well, uh, actually, actually, Lucasfilm was doing lots of the uh, Industrial Light Magic was doing lots of this. Even in Star Trek, it's all ILM. Yeah. Which kind of seems wrong. Because who's directing Star Wars now? J.J. Lens Flare. Yeah, Mr. Lens Flare. I bet he will hold back on that. Don't worry about Star, that. You know, I don't lightsaber know. Lightsaber Lens Flare. I saw, I, mean, some he... Jaber, I, say, I saw some Abrams-type Lens Flares. In the prequels, so nah, they they won't go with that. I mean, seriously, it's a he's clearly more of a you know uh, a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. He admitted it on the you know the backstage of the new Star Trek movie, the the, uh, the previous new Star Trek movie, uh, and he always said you know how how. He wanted to bring more of the Star Wars universe into the Star Trek universe in the sense of making it, you know, more of an adventure, more entertaining, more engaging, uh, instead of just philosophical questions. I think he he didn't do a bad job considering how much he could have fucked it up. But still, that's it, you guys. You bet. You probably saw this. You should do one where he where he digitally inserts his new head on his old body. Uh, they, they did something of 
Uh, uh, where, where was it? <laughs> oh, you know that they they canceled the other two 3D conversions? Yeah. Because the first I one was why. so shitty. <laughs> it's it's for the best because, you know, you can't... You, I don't know how you would even do the movies because there, there are scenes where people are walking toward the camera and it just doesn't work. The problem is post-production 3D always looks like shit. Yeah. It, it always does. You know, you know, shot in stereoscopic is the only way to do 3D where it doesn't hurt your eyes. Yeah, because there, there are things that, you know, just like like the – I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Like, like when you have like the floor of a set and as it's getting closer to the camera, it should, it should be like changing focal length and it – there's no, there's no way to do that by just sliding layers. You know, it's like you have to actually have, have shot a second that. camera, have a second yeah. camera shoot that, shoot that layer where yeah. everything is offset differently than the first layer. Yeah, and like I said, uh, there's, there's a scene where R two D two is, is uh, kind of rolling toward the camera, and there's really no way to do that except to like re-render the whole background. And once you're doing that, oh. then you're just making a whole new movie. That's great. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> oh no. That's Bill and Ted too. Yeah, yeah. Who's the who's the guy on the right? It looks like an Indian? Uh, that looks very familiar, but I can't play. That's there's Gimli Robo- on the left. There's Robocop and there's there's Gimli. Gimli Bill and Ted and uh, I don't know. I don't know, it's it's escaping me at the moment. No, oh, again, well it's not only what I hated, you know, they put in this Hayden Christian's head, head on top of the Anakin body. It's the fact that the head they put on top looks like he just slaughtered the kids, you know. Just, I know, look at that face. Look at his face, it looks so menacing. It looks like he he's, just slaughtered he's, like he's clearly a... thinking, uh, I slaughtered like animals, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Pablo, let me put it this way. I think Dark Helmet is more menacing as a villain than uh, Anakin Skywalker. I don't know. Anakin but at the same Skywalker, time, Dark yeah, Helmet's yeah. ultimate attack won't work on Anakin because he has no balls. <laughs> True. See, the thing uh, is, for years, I didn't get space balls meant testicles for yeah. years because I was a kid. Wow. It, it, it kind of amazes me how, how they got a, Mel Brooks got away with a movie called Space, you know, practically space testicles. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, how do you get away with that? Merchandising, merchandising. It's called. Merchandising. It's called talk fast and and once you get okayed, run. <laughs> That's kind of what happened with the South Park movie. They, yeah, it was got, called All Hell Breaks Loose, and like we can't have the word hell, so it's like, okay, it's gonna be bigger, longer on country. Like, okay, hey, hey, wait, oh, we got yeah. The, the MPAA was like, wait a minute, and then but, but, Trey but, and Trey and Matt were like, no, no, too late. We got the contract, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind trying to explain how the whole hell and heck works? I don't know. I mean, seriously, I don't understand why the word hell is forbidden. Hell and devil. Those two. I don't know why why you guys have so much Oh, issues well, with. we do have Red Man. I don't know. Red Man? The red guy. From The red guy? From, from Cow and Chicken. Yeah, you can yeah. have a devil, but you can't really say who he is. And that... that I don't I don't understand it. That actually yeah, works live here. really well with Powerpuff Girls, with him. He who... He who shall not be named. Yeah, because you're making because they're making fun of the fact that you can't say it. I know, but him was extremely menacing, and he was also uh, 
quite the uh, drag queen. Well, that's what made like, it. Oh, work. girls, you know. <laughs> Which that I can't believe they got away with. <laughs> I think they said it was a, it was a, it was a Monty Python reference and got away with it. Almost like the Mario shoe was a Monty Python. Oh, Neil, did you know there was an episode of Super Mario Brothers 3 where Bowser had all the power-ups at once? It's yeah. the final episode. It's Ben is in problem or something like that. Ben is emergency. Ben is under siege or he, something he, like that. He has, he has the raccoon tail, the, fo- he, the flower he, Not pop- only he, he gets all the, the power-ups, he gets all the power-ups using this sort of metal or something, an amulet, and he goes into the real world. And attacks Venice and kidnaps Princess Toadstool. It's a. Uh, well, like it's, I said, he has the, fa- the 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 fire flower, the raccoon tail, and the boot at the same time. Yeah. Does does he have the frog suit in there somewhere? Yeah. At one point, he uses a frog suit too. Oh my god. And it's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. A frog dressed like a frog. I mean, not a frog, but you know, green lizard dress. Well, he like is part ward. And yes. he is he is part uh, K rule. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Fuck you, rare. No, Fuck you, rare. It was a, a weird. Uh, it, it was a weird episode. Ah, by the way, I I was thinking about the whole why they completely went out of the way with Super Mario World. I think one of the reasons why they put the caveman in uh, the caveman uh, was the fact that. Uh, in Super Mario Brothers 3, they made a lot of things that involved the Mushroom Kingdom, you know, and they had the Mushroom people and all the toads, you know, around. So maybe they just didn't know how to make it work without this whole kingdom of, you know, people that Princess Toadstool should rule. So it was like, well, if in the Mushroom Land they had Mushroom people, here it's like Dinosaur Land, so... We need prehistoric people, so we are using cavemen. Yeah, they, they, they tried the dinosaur people thing in the movie, and that didn't quite work as well. Yeah, but the thing is, they really didn't have to do that, because it's not like it's not like they were completely divorced from the other games. They could have said that they could have still had the Mushroom Kingdom in there somewhere. Oh, Neil, I you mean, know that the, the, the game designer actually intended the sunken ship to be one of those air fortresses from Mario 3? I, I did know that. But the th- but what I was getting at was that uh, the, the reason why you have the dinosaurs in there is because the first the first stage is Yoshi's Island, and after that you know you don't really have the dinosaur theme much anymore. You you still have Yoshi, but Super Mario World had had uh, other themes in it. You know there was like the typical ice world, and there was the the donut plane, which was where uh, you had more regular uh, Mario villains. You had more Koopa Troopas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goom. Well, the goombas don't show up until like the the forest. That's true, but you had tons of Koopa Troopas, including the Super Troopa. Uh, oh, the Super Troopa, yeah. Super Troopa. Just like a Super Troopa, like they're gonna find me. Oh, Neil, it's uh, how was that latest episode of Joe Schmo? Um. Well, I saw you're talking about episode five. The one that you just, the one you know where this is a setup. Oh, that was pretty. See, that's all the way at the end. It was a pretty good episode. Well, it was a fairly typical episode up until that point, because he was he was really buying it. He was, uh, they they had one one game in there where it was like a stress test. You know, they're all hooked up to heart monitors and yeah, I love that. But uh... and the gay guy, or the the gay character, 
you know, they bring out like a male stripper and he's supposed to be a closet homosexual, but you know, his heart starts racing when, when the gay guys, gay guy starts stripping or I'm sorry, the naked stripper starts stripping. It was, it was pretty funny. Oh, episode 105 is finally here. Bring yes. your convict to work day. Yeah, that was funny too. Did he actually figure it out? He didn't figure it out from the from the convict. Well, you'll see. Did he figure it out? Is I, this the last episode? It's not the last episode. There's still more episodes to come. But they do say in the coming attractions that he's he's suspecting that there are some actors there, that he's uh, not really sure what's going on. Ah. Uh. But I'm I'm sure the deaf girl isn't helping. <laughs> what show are you watching? The Joe Schmo Show. It's, it's it's a fake reality show where one guy thinks it's real and all the other guys are actors. Like the Truman Show? Kind of. Something funny. like that, yeah. Basically, the, this guy is coming on this reality show thinking that it's a real sh- show to compete to become a bounty hunter. And everyone else in there are just actors. Like, there's a deaf girl that's a ventriloquist. What? It, that is hysterical. I mean... She's she's uh she's talking to this ventriloquist dummy. She's like, like, what's what's the dummy's name? I keep forgetting. Uh, I forgot too, but it's and she's like, like, how are you doing? You know, doing that, and and her interpreter is doing the voice of the dummy, which is hysterical. And the funniest the funniest part is they had in the first episode one of the competitors is Lorenzo Lamas playing Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> Lorenzo Lama is so weird. I mean, he showed up in Argentina in a dance show recently. Well, it's really funny because he shows up in a speedo and he says, I have a sack of a 25-year-old. <laughs> what I love is the, the whole point of having him on the show is blown because the schmo doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because it's they, like, they I'm thought that this Lama's was going to be... From, from the show Renegade. Yeah. And, like, and he's like, who? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh. The, the the best part is 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 the part where you know they took him out to do a quote unquote real bounty, and he and the and the and the host the fake host gave him a gun and say here hold this hooker hostage while I try to get the guy, or hold her at gunpoint. And the thing is the the Joe, he actually is a hunter, so he knows so so all of a sudden everyone in the control room got nervous like oh my goodness what if he can tell if the gun's empty by the weight. What what happens if he tries to pull the trigger? And they got really nervous. Oh. What what's really funny is one of the actors actually show up in that movie Super Troopers. Hmm? Yeah, it, the, the asshole. Remember Neil? They showed yeah, that he was he, Super Troopers. Yeah, and he's like, "Have I seen you somewhere before?" <laughs> and and the 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 production crew is just sweating bullets. Yeah, they actually this is like the smartest Joe they had in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta check that out someday. Season um, two is interesting because they had they had the schmo, they had one of the schmoes figure it out. They and, had two schmoes. Yeah, they were lucky enough to have two schmoes, and they were like, okay, we'll just bring her on, we'll, we'll just bring her into the joke, you know, <laughs> because otherwise she was gonna ruin the whole show. <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah. See, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that. Somehow they're gonna pull this through. They have seven more episodes to go. Somehow they're gonna they're gonna keep this guy along because otherwise, why would you have it blown this early in the show? You know they could. Well, have what stre- they could do is is say, guys, we just did some research. She lied. We're kicking her off about the deaf girl. 
Yeah, they they could do that. Yeah, because you know they could have if he if he had figured it out like three days into the show, they would have stretched it out so those those three days were the whole season. But yeah. no, they, it's episode five and he's figuring it out. So somehow they get him back in. I watched the documentary on Jonestown today, Neil, and uh, Pablo, you know about Jonestown, right? I'm not sure I do. It it happened on your continent, not ours. Yeah, it's a famous. It's, this it's where the it's where the term "drinking the Kool Aid" comes from. Only it wasn't Kool Aid; it was Powerade. I like, know. It's like a bunch of a uh, bunch of cultists. Uh, we're in a mission. We're like in a uh, not a missionary. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they created a commune in the middle of the a jungle. Commune. That's what I was thinking. In this country that I've never heard, like like it was a Balearic Bel- or something like that. It's next to Brazil and some other place. It's, the only thing that sounds remotely similar to the sound you just made, I think it's Bolivia. Oh, just just like just like the country, but without the ruins. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's good to know we're on the PG-13 territory, not the the one with the diarrhea. <laughs> without the runs, Any, anyways. Uh, well, we have weird racism. Any, anyways. Uh, uh, this this guy he had he had a uh, he had a church in a commune in in California, and he was doing the whole Scientology. It wasn't Scientology, but he was doing the whole Scientology bit of separating families and brainwashing and all this shit. And when he was getting too hot in uh, in uh, California, he 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 went to this uh, South American country, cleared out, bought some land, cleared out the the, uh, the jungle, and created a commune here. And all of a sudden, everyone's saying, you know. They took my children, my, and, and these parents left the cult, but their children are still in the cult, and they want their children back. So a U.S. Uh, congressman flew down to oh, Jonestown. I forgot about that. To you know, basically find out what's going on, and apparently he was going to give back a favorable report. But what? <laughs> it, it was, so he was getting on the plane. He's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna just yeah." It, it seemed like a very nice place, and all of a sudden, these people from Jonestown came out with AK-47s and gunned them all down. It is the first and only congressman shot in the line of duty and killed. Holy shit! And while this was happening, you know, Jones, uh, the guy, the guy who runs Jonestown, his name was Jones. He was a preacher. He he had them all drink the Kool Aid and kill themselves. Cyanide laced Kool Aid. There were like 900 bodies. Wow! Uh, wow! Yeah. This is a horror story. It is. Wow. Holy shit. So now you know where that term comes from. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Wow. But the trivia note on that was that it wasn't actually good. It was Powerade. Yeah. And everyone's (laughs) like, what the fuck is Powerade? Yeah. Well, they did actually have Kool-Aid there, but they used Powerade instead. Because they were doing suicide drills. And they were using Kool-Aid for the suicide drills where they said, here, drink this. We're doing a suicide drill. I'm like, Neil, absorb this part of it because I didn't know about this either. You learn something new every day. (laughs) And mostly it's terrifying. Terrifying. Wow. (sighs) Okay, the name of the the country was Guana. Guana? Or Guy, it's spelled Guy with an Anna at the end. Are you sure that's a South American country? It is. Guana? Okay, here here it is. Here it is on the map. It is uh, it's capital's Georgetown. 
It's it's actually next to your country, I think. Guyana? Yeah. Not to be confused with French Guyana. Guyana. Okay, first of all, you have no idea where my country is. <laughs> okay, I have, I'm sorry. It's a, uh, you know, uh, you see Brazil, the, that giant country right under that one? Uh, well, the, the one that's on the exact opposite part of Brazil, that's my country. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, that's, that's but still, Cooperative Republic of Guyana, Guyana, a sovereign state on the northern coast of South America, part of the Anglophone Caribbean, and is one of the few Caribbean countries that is not an island. What the fuck? <laughs> I, you know, I never ever heard of this place. <laughs> Fair I enough. I mean, wow. You know, I mean, seriously, what, what's, what's this place? The region known as Guyana or Guyana, compares to large shields of land on the North Amazon River. Uh, Guyana is bordered by Suriname, by Brazil, Venezuela, to this. All, all the other countries that are mentioned here, I know about them, but I never fucking heard of this country. I'm scared. You know, I, I, I'm in this continent. I'm, I'm supposed to have studied this. I never. What? It's easy I, for it's easy for me and Neil. There's only three countries on this continent. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but this is scary. I mean, seriously, it's like, yeah, you know that. Uh, Lopez kid? Who's Lopez? You know, the, that kid that sits by the by the door in your class. And then I'm like, what? He's sitting next to me? All along? Yeah, he's been with us like for the past five years. Like, uh, this is scary. Seriously. I, I, I'm, I'm scared by the fact that I didn't know about this. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost the equivalent to you not knowing about the state you guys have. Well, we have a president that thought we had 57 states. I don't care about how many states there are, but imagine that somebody would say, yeah, from the state of Guyana. Remember that, Neil? What what was this? Uh, Barack Obama thought we had 57 states. Oh. But yeah, this is, yeah, the aftermath. They, uh... Don't worry, there's no picture pictures. Yeah, because there were pictures. Lots of pictures. Although nothing where you see anything. This is one terrifying day for my knowledge. Seriously. Uh, well, but enough of that. I gotta go because my friends have already eaten all of the pizza, oh. drank all the ice cream, and we gotta play Borderlands too. So take okay. care, guys. Night. Good night, Pablo. Night.